back to another episode of Big Fan Podcast. My name is Nikki, and I am so happy that you are all here today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we have a great episode, like a really good episode. My friend Anne and I um, talk about something that's really, really heavy, but I think really good for each one of us to come enter into discussion on. Um, my friend Anne, Anne Bounot, she is someone that I work with but we're not from the same department or office we just lucked out and work near each other and over the last year or so we've been able and fortunate enough to be there for each other in the midst of some unfortunate professional things um, and I'll leave it at that but it's been kind of beautiful to think back and and have a common denominator of that we were both there for each other and that we were able to use our background and experiences to encourage each other to move forward to become better than we thought we could be um, and that is so heavy on Anne's part because you'll hear you'll hear when she speaks to you it's like she's speaking into your soul and she sees the best in people I really do believe that and I feel so fortunate to have been able to grow into a, a great friendship with her and I know that um, the university that we work at is so fortunate to have her so blessed so lucky and these students they know I a lot of them know how much of a gem she is so the conversation that we have today focuses specifically on imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon, which we'll get into, but I just wanted to take that time, introduce Anne. Um, you can probably find her on my social media if you want to ever um, connect with her. She's a gem. You'll see it. So hope you enjoy. today with Anne. She and I um, in the last year or so have become close and we have very similar mindsets I think in the topic we're going to be talking about today. So before all of that and you have to start by telling the quote that you told me when we talked about this podcast. Oh my gosh yes and this quote is one can you remember when I stumbled upon it? It's probably been three or four years mm -hmm. but it was the one that I really fixated on once I graduated grad school and it's um no one is you and that is your power and that's anytime it. that's it like <laughs> love it period yeah. and no more conversation because um I think we're all really struggling to figure out our place in the world where we belong and how to belong mm -hmm. and then we sacrifice all the things that make us us mm -hmm. to do that and then why are you trying to fit in that exactly. like, at the expense of all the things that you are? So um, once I started walking into my career, into my relationships as that, mm -hmm. that just own all the things that you are. Yes. Exactly. There. Once I did that, the world shows up and you show up to it. And it's a completely different take mm -hmm. than feeling the room, thinking about what expectations are, and then trying to meet those. Mm -hmm. Like, ugh, that's exhausting. It's exhausting. And when I first talked to Anne about recording a podcast, she she literally was just like, I have this, this one quote right here. Tell me what you think about it. And it formed the basis of this entire episode, which is pretty uh -huh. powerful. If that's one thing that is taking up all of our time. I have had, I've talked about my experience 
doing, you know, education and teaching after I graduated university and how that was so draining, you know, all of that stuff that went into it. I've talked about it in previous episodes, but in transitioning from that job to my current job, which I've said before that I love, I love it. I'm feeling the exact same as I did when I was teaching in terms of not feeling like I am exactly who needs to be in that position to be leading either this team or these students or whatever. So this is something I really relate to. And since everyone knows a little bit more about me, and how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just like, you know, wrap it up really nicely, your background and, and how that's like affecting you and who you are today. Oh my gosh. I know. Talk about a loaded question. I know. Oh, okay. Um, let me see. If I were to neatly kind of package it, um, I've always been this daydreamer. I'm always this overthinker. I probably only um, am super talkative on certain things <laughs> and maybe super quiet on others. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the things I've always fixated or daydreamed about was like why people are the way they are, what motivates our human behavior, just like really nerdy stuff, honestly. Um, but it's always around people and uh-huh. how we think things and how we interact yeah. and um, how we get in our way. And that's kind of been the underlying thread of everything I did. So I studied child psychology, mm-hmm. which means I focus on gestation to 25. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, 25 is adult brain. So prior to that, all the building blocks and all the different um, experiences we have really start to formulate who we are. So that was my undergrad. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I knew I wanted to, um, to be working with young people. And that was just because I felt like I could be myself around them. They're not judging you. Absolutely. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I really loved how they live. Yeah. You know, they're not stressed about something that isn't happening. No, everything is very, very situational so situational they were easy to cheer up and when they're upset they'll tell you exactly why yeah <laughs> I miss like that. why you said I know and I was like wow I'm not having to be fake around any of these kiddos because they're just doing their thing yeah. and and so I really fixated on youth for a long time and that was like preschool mm-hmm. so I taught Sunday school at that age group um, all through college and then I ended up teaching preschool right up when I graduated with child psych and it was my world. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. you walked in, that room was mine. Yeah. Y- you know, yeah. they learned yoga. They learned Vietnamese, yeah. anything that I had to offer. You could tell in my like 20 littles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that, but I plateaued. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I felt like after a while it was starting to repeat itself uh-huh. and I wasn't growing and if you know anything about me personal development is like why I'm on earth <laughs> That's so true. yeah like I could I think even as a third grader I'm like how can I be the best me it's ridiculous but um but that says a lot where I'm mm-hmm. always thinking like am I growing mm-hmm. have I stopped and when I stopped that was always a sign that we gotta go mm-hmm. and so I realized I didn't want to manage the room I'm actually a little introverted for that I wanted to work one-on-one with people mm-hmm. and um counseling seemed like the intuitive thing mm-hmm. so I went to grad school 
thought that I was going to um, be counseling these littles. And then I realized it was actually really heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually couldn't separate myself from the things I was hearing and, um, you know, wanting to really defend the people I'm for, mm -hmm. which isn't helpful. Like, say if a kid is being abused, I would feel very strong feelings towards a parent. Yeah, I um, get it. Yeah. So I couldn't be a professional there. And then I thought back to undergrad and the person who was for me was this academic advisor mm -hmm. and she was such a prominent character in my um, four years that I was like, no, I think I've been trying to be her this whole time. So that led me to career counseling where I'm hearing those big momentous decisions we're having to make from 18 to 21. Yeah. Like I want to be there right. in that section of life. And so interned um, at the university I'm working at and I've been there ever since. So ugh, that's such like a long thing and there's so many more layers. Right. But if I could neatly say it, I think that's the song. <laughs> That was that was very impressive. <laughs> that was so impressive, and I and I'm wondering. I'm very curious. Listening to that back, were you very coherent about all of those things that you were that you just said to me during the time when you were experiencing it, or is it just you being a counselor now, working with career, looking back and being like, or is it just you and your personality where you're always, you know, assessing yourself in these ways? Because you wrapped up every big life change better than I can wrap up my life changes. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Honestly, hindsight is twenty twenty. Okay, we hear yeah. this all the time. And that's why right. was going forward. I was confused 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. Going forward, I was not confident and overcompensating for myself the entire time. Mm -hmm. When I retell it, it can be like, oh, no, I understand it. And I think that's also important is if you're constantly looking back to see how far you've come, then the way you handle your struggles in the future yeah, and the way you know, then that's building you for better. Right. Because you can see how that's done it in the past. So I could tie it in a bow because I reflipped through those pages and I'm like, how do we not fuck up the same way we did last time? How do, how do I flip through those pages and, and get to a point where I'm understanding what I've been doing? Because I, I'm still at a loss of how I'm here in my current life. Yeah, well, I think really finding the patterns and commonalities mm -hmm. in the ways you've been able to show up or um, sometimes I feel like the things God wants to teach us happen in cycles. Interesting. Where you get into trouble or something yeah. and you're like, oh, God, I'm praying for this one thing. Yeah. And then the cycle almost repeats mm -hmm. again. And he goes, did you learn it, though? Yeah. And then maybe you walk into the same exact steps you did before uh -huh. and you go, dope, here I am again. Right. And then it might happen again. Right. And then you go, I'm breaking the pattern. Uh -huh. I recognize that this is it. And then, you know, and, and we say God tests us all the time. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And so really look back at those pivotal times and see this is Nikki doing the thing she does. And that's what this means, you know? Right. And that yeah. is why I value so much as a friend because <laughs> when we have conversations and we've been through a couple, you know, big things in the last yeah. year, mm -hmm. it is like a little mini like therapy session speaking to you. Just the, you pour so much encouragement into what you say. So we need to have you back yes. to talk specifically about career 
because you got it. If you're saying what you're saying about looking back at patterns and all of this stuff, well, how can I identify the patterns when I'm choosing my college, choosing what career, when I don't know yet the experiences that I will have and will hate or things like that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We need to talk about oh, that. Yeah, let's totally let's okay. let's put a pin in that and Perfect. we'll like dissect that. Love it. Okay, so something that I actually have been noticing as a pattern, which in a little different instance of what you're talking about, but it's this feeling like I am in a, in a space purely because of luck, not even like good luck, sometimes really awful luck putting me in a place or I assume responsibilities for things where I feel like, Ooh, this is so not me. There should be a different person in here leading this team. There should be a person in here who's way more educated than I to do what I'm doing. More of the story, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome which mm-hmm. I've just heard about last year. Have you been known for a while about imposter syndrome? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A long while. <laughs> we should really be knowing about it way longer than just a year. But... Yeah. I think we've all experienced it. And I think it's become a buzzword that now we all have a mutual term for what this feels like. When I first heard the term, I really didn't get it. Probably because... I felt like that is something that, like you said, everyone experiences. I thought that's not like a syndrome or a phenomenon. That's just a feeling. That's anxiety, you know? But um, but for, like, the purpose of, like, being aligned, how would you best define imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon, whatever you want to call it? Yeah. The way that I'll... I usually explain it to people when I'm talking to them about it is this inner voice that's constantly telling you to play small and the things that it says will be, you don't belong here. Who do you think you are? You are not as blank as whoever. Um, You don't deserve this. Mm -hmm. You happen to get here. It fell in your lap, please. It had it's nothing to do with your effort, who mm-hmm. you are, and what you've studied. So um, wherever we feel like we're faking it to make it, yeah, which used to be this like punchline thing, yeah, um, it doesn't feel good. It makes us feel like we don't belong where we're at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good way of saying it. And I equip it to like that feeling when you walk into a room and you immediately like are hit in the gut, like I don't belong yep. here something to that extent which we can live in that feeling for like years yeah and definitely and it brings on like your self-conscious yeah you you want to do anything to leave it yeah um and oftentimes we'll bring that everywhere we go because Mm -hmm. that's ours wow so that's the thing about imposter syndrome that you could probably walk into um the next room that you level up into and still feel it because you brought that the room didn't have that you can change rooms and still feel it yeah is what I'm saying and and this happens and this is how we get in our way because we'd rather have the comfort of being the best in the room Mm -hmm. than being the one who needs to grow the most in the room oh my gosh that's so true yeah but we'd be miserable as the best in the room for too long all of us will we'd be like I'm not learning it What's worse? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is probably the the clearest way that I've experienced that in my own life. When I was a teacher and I was with my students, I was so confident. 
because I knew I was the best in that room. But when I went to the teacher next door to advocate for my student and said, you need to do this to support the student better, I would like choke. I could not speak to them because I, I was speaking to people with like 40 years of education experience. Yeah. And I just mm-hmm. walked in that room as a young 22 year old. Oh, it just, that is the most tangible experience that I have that corroborates what you're saying. Absolutely. And I took it That's with exactly me it. to my current job. Yeah. I yeah. did. Cause when I'm with my students who are college age students, I feel yes. so confident. But then mm-hmm. when I go sit in that room with all the adults, I feel like, what am I doing here? Absolutely. Oh gosh. Patterns. Patterns. Yeah. What we said. Yes. And and something else that I think is important to note is that I, this is something that we're still figuring out. Like Anne and I were talking about this. Yes. We're still, you know, in the midst. Um, maybe we've been like processing for longer, so we're able to notice it more mm-hmm. often. But I personally still feel these, this way in my current day to day. Me too. Like, always we're never arrived here yeah and when it comes to this I don't feel like we'll ever be done Mm -hmm. I think it's important to just always be talking about it call it what it is Mm -hmm. um you know so so no this isn't coming from a place of like it's all figured out and here's things it's kind of here's where we're at with it yeah here's how we know best to work with it yeah that's it interesting that you say that we will never arrive if I knew that I'll never quite get there, I'm going to continue to feel anxiety and, and more anxiety. How do I get past that? Hmm. I think it's one of those things that when we say we'll always need to be students, we're never done growing. Yeah. And so I think imposter syndrome always needs to happen because it signifies your growth. Yeah. And so maybe it's never something that we're done with, but we'll know how better to navigate it. Mm. You know, and so um, I have this thing and I, you know, I, I really sometimes like to write and sometimes it's more verbally processing. But a thought that I've been thinking about writing is um, how to get used to your imposter syndrome and expect it. Mm hmm expect it to come and determine yourself to continue breaking ceilings mm-hmm. and knocking down more barriers mm-hmm. and stretching further than your comfort zone. So you're constantly looking for imposter syndrome as a sign that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or else we're complacent. Right. That's what I'm hung up on is this continual cycle when in actuality, yeah. maybe, you know, like you said, being able to recognize and, and read up on like what to do about it that could be mm-hmm. extremely beneficial right and that it's just a part of your adjustment yeah to anything new yeah so you and i are we're pretty young yes <laughs> we're pretty young and we are both females and we're working in a place that is um has you know a lot of people who've been there for a while as two young females how do you see your imposter syndrome in your own life that maybe could be different than mine? Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, I think so. When I entered this workplace, this university that we work at, I think um, 
I've been there for five years. And every single year, I have this feeling of, (laughs) you don't belong here. Yeah. And I think each year, I almost impostered on a different thing each time. Oh, my gosh. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think at first, it was, you don't belong here because you didn't go to private school in undergrad. Yeah. You don't belong here because you're Catholic and not the Christian Baptist like identity that the school has Mm -hmm. you don't belong here because you don't know all the faculty members and no one knows you and and so the newness of me felt impostered Mm -hmm. you know that that no I haven't been here for two decades and no people still don't remember my name except for I'm very distinctly different looking (laughs) um so invisible um and then year two it was something else and year three it was something else Mm and um and and so it showed up in my appearance Mm -hmm. um I'm Asian I'm five foot tall I'm really spunky and yeah I went to undergrad at the big state school in our state so definitely not not a lot in common with the people I'm working with (laughs) and I had to figure out and I really had to figure out how do I then show up? What do I assimilate into? Um, What don't I assimilate into? Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things. And, and, you know, I continue to dissect that every year because then maybe more people of color are getting hired on and then I'm watching them go in two years Mm -hmm. or um, I'm working through how I feel towards people who to me are very ignorant and have a long way to go. And um, I haven't been in contact with that because when you go to school in the city, people know, mm-hmm. they know how to regard you. Yeah. They know what is socially acceptable. Those are different rules when you go to a small university. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person may have gone to undergrad, graduate, and are retiring there. Yeah. They didn't have to learn how to speak to a Vietnamese woman. Right. Or a Catholic right. woman, or you know, all of the layers that I have. There are a lot of microaggressions, and I had to wrestle with: Am I going to teach all y'all? Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm here for. People still think like that. I remember asking myself that. Yeah. Being the only person pissed about something. Ooh, yeah, that one. I can see that. is the most common. Where I look around, and I'm like, Wait, y- y'all not mad? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? I feel that so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. So impostering on just all the things that I am. Mm-hmm. And then most recently, I got promoted and I felt like, oh, only the people in leadership are six foot tall and white yeah. and male mm-hmm. and, um, you know, are connecting. I, this is terrible, but I, I have this visual of a bunch of suits having a tea party. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? I think of this boardroom of a bunch of suits, you know, older Dumbledore, modern day Dumbledore looking men sipping on tea and cigars and things. And that's what I feel like I'm walking into. Yeah. Five foot tall. Continually, like just completely different than the fabric of everyone else they've bred into that room. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, trying to feel okay with not being any of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've, in the last couple of months, have 
really felt the tension when my instinct is to assimilate, to water myself down, Mm -hmm. to, to be more like that. So I feel like I'm convincing all of us that I belong because I'm thinking they already don't think that. Mm-hmm. So if I threw on a black suit, if I threw, you know, mm-hmm. if I overcompensated and worked harder or did something else, it's on me to make sure I feel I belong mm-hmm. and that they feel that. Mm-hmm. And the healthier thing for me recently is like, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here just to look and smell and talk like them. Mm-hmm. I'm here to be me, my pink ass blazer and my pumps. And I'm going to crash the party. Did you say smell like them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't smell like them. No. No. I I don't have to do any of those things. I don't have to start stripping away the things that are me. Mm-hmm. That was such a long-winded way to answer your question. No, I love that. There's so many. I'm sorry. I don't love that you feel those things. I, I love that you're able to share them so openly and honestly. Because yeah. there was a lot in there that I even I could resonate with. And then things that I was like, wow, I, I will never resonate with feeling that. And mm-hmm. like specifically, like in thinking about you and how you are in the workplace and then even the things that you and I talk about, just like how to present ourselves in different circles, how to act in certain ways. I feel sometimes like, oh, my gosh, why am I not feel, thinking those things or feeling like I need to be dressing in that way or I will wear jeans every single day. I did this spring. I I did. And the fact that you are having those thoughts of like, I can't do that because of there are all these things and these, the system is is happening and it's a a cycle of all these impressions and microaggressions is like, it's astounding to me that it's not even a thought on my mind. Yeah. And I'm continuously noticing that, especially in the way that I see you as so, so I don't want to say much more than you see yourself, but I put you on such a pedestal just as a, <laughs> as a friend. Yeah. And then to know, cause Thanks. we have these conversations a lot and to know that mm-hmm. those are the things that you think it, it's pretty impactful, but I have similar like visions. It's not a tea party. <laughs> and when you said that, I was like, this is, I, I don't know where she's going with this. <laughs> Yeah. But when you were talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, I have that same vision of people in suits. For me, it's a specific female at our work and then a a group of men. And then, and I walked into that room of like people with their doctorate. Like when you're saying you're walking into this tea party. Yeah. I'm realizing that that's what I'm walking into is this room of people having a meeting and me being this young, blonde, short Mm -hmm. woman who has to then, you know, educate 60 year olds. Yeah. And can we just make it a point to really think about like, if you're a woman who is short, I'm short as well. Mm And what it's like to have to consistently walk in and look up to everybody. Exactly. Physically what that is like. Yeah. How do you walk in and command the room, but also have to tip your chin up and have that perspective of everyone is actually physically above you in a sense. And so there's so much it seems like we're stacked with that we really do have to navigate that again I think someone who has always been tall doesn't have to think about yeah 
big, huh? It's so big and so layered. It is, but I mean, there has to be ways, strategies, something to employ in order to survive in a place where we feel like we are not deserved to be there. So in your experience and, and your background of what you kind of commented on, has there been anything that you've done that has really helped you like hit imposter syndrome head on or are you still like working on it? Yeah, it's almost, gosh, I'm a metaphor junkie. So just to preface, anytime you hear me, there's going to be metaphors. I love it. Um, yeah, think of whack-a-mole. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, one element of imposter syndrome comes up. I'm focused on that and then the next thing pops out. Yeah. It's almost like that a little bit. Yeah. Um, when you say you wear jeans every day of spring, yeah. you know me. You can always hear my pumps down the hallway. I'm always looking like I'm about to, you know, defend you in court. (laughs) Um, I am consistently the overdressed person on this campus. And that was my way of telling me we're going. Mm -hmm. So for some people, it might look like I'm dressing for everyone else. Mm -hmm. But I think anytime I ever get a compliment, you look really nice for work today or oh my gosh you're so well dressed and I'm like this is for me Uh because when I look like that I work like that Uh and no one can say anything about the work then Uh and so that's one way for me to navigate my imposter syndrome to remind myself what I am so what imposter syndrome reveals is all the things that you're not it's this constant play of you're not tall. Yeah. You're not as educated. You're not as smart. Yeah. Um, that's my combat to it is me listing like, yep, I'm going to walk into this room and command it because those three inches did a lot for my confidence or mm-hmm. um, I'm going to walk in totally prepared or mm-hmm. I have my degrees in big ass um, frames in my yeah. office. So y'all know uh-huh. she's educated. It's those things where um, it's all got to be for you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing any of these things mm-hmm. for anyone else. But it's for me to look at and go, don't you forget who you are. Mm-hmm. Don't you forget all the work that you've done. Mm-hmm. You know? And so those are some of those things. If that's in a mantra, if that's in a post-it, that's why whoever, you know, mm-hmm. no one is you. That's your power. The fact that no one else is you. Mm-hmm. keep it there um that's the messaging that then combats my get out of here mm-hmm. combats my you don't belong they don't want you you don't you're not qualified you don't try hard enough um it's my reminders of my effort mm-hmm. and all the work that I've done to get to where I'm at mm-hmm. um so that I can walk in with like you bet I'm here mm-hmm yeah. So like in a in a work culture where maybe you are actually experiencing things or you know people are subconsciously enforcing something or you feel this way because of people have said things or you've noticed the pattern of all these people going to undergrad grad and then you know retiring mm-hmm. those cultural vibes how do you enter into that space as someone who is 
confident in not being that way, if that makes sense, as someone who is definitely not going to be following that path that the culture is kind of cultivated. How do you fit in? Yeah. Or do you knowingly not? Um, there's no right answer. And then I'm a career counselor. So if you're enduring that, the most important question to ask is this place for you. Because if yeah. you're feeling that negativity, are we gonna, you know, be the mockingjay around here? Mm-hmm. Or are we gonna find somewhere we fit better? And you have to decide whether you believe in this place enough mm-hmm. to stay different yeah. and be able to be healthy. Right. That's huge. It's huge. Um it's hard. And it's so hard because I'm still here. And one that's also, I would say maybe 75% my choice because mm-hmm. I do see cause. I do see that I can create big change as long as I care for my spirit as I stay against the current. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but the other parts is me admitting I've applied for jobs every single year yeah. I've been there yeah. thinking that any of those microaggressions or any of those incidences was my invitation out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I chalk it up to God that he hasn't gotten me hired anywhere else because if it was in my power, I was looking. Yeah. I was interviewing. Yeah. I was final round interviewing. Right. I wasn't getting another job. And um, that was before I could tell that I was going to be the leader of the department that I'm in. Mm-hmm. So I think that was his plan for me. But of course, in my struggle and not knowing that that was coming, mm-hmm. I was on my way out every year, it felt like. So um, that's that's the huge question to ask. And for me, my answer is I'll stay different mm-hmm. and I'll preserve that. Whatever I dedicate outside of work is for me to continue to preserve mm-hmm. the fact that I'm not like that and that's going to be just fine with me. Yeah. You got to write your own rules, don't you? You really do. And not be like not see those rules that were written for you and and be like, "Okay, blindly I'm going to do that because I'm dependent." And I feel like when in my experience when I was in this place, this office and I had a team and it was glorious, it was great and then that was taken away from me, I felt like in one sense, lost, overwhelmed, imposter syndrome. I don't belong here. What am I doing? Why am I staying? I applied elsewhere. Like I did all the things like you're saying, but then also I was able to write my own rules for how to move forward. And that gave me a lot more confidence in even my own work abilities and in my, in myself. And that's why I got to wear jeans every day and things to that extent Mm -hmm. where I was no longer blindly following the rules of a, the larger work culture, I was able to write yep. the rules for myself. And that really, it's really, it's really helped me out. Absolutely. It's still because hard. you really got to say, it is, <laughs> it's so hard, but I was there during that whole season mm-hmm. at work with you. And um, I remember distinctly when it went from being catastrophic to Nikki's got a twinkle of hope in her eye. Oh, that means a lot. Yeah. And and I'll tell you this, as someone who's been a neighbor office-wise for mm-hmm. a long time, you are the absolute best person I can think of that because anyone else would have jumped the ship, would have followed orders, would have, you know, yeah. done all of those things. And um, it really showed what you're passionate about because you stayed when it sucked. Mm-hmm. 
Thank and you. not I'm everyone so will just come like that. Yeah. No, not, yeah. not everyone would do that. I recognize that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And something that I know about myself is that I'm a very positive person. It's like my, I, yes. I have positivity in my strengths finder, but it employs itself when I'm the most negative. I find myself being the most positive. And yeah. I mean, even in conversation with you and my previous coworker and I, we, we talked about our, our strengths and how they kind of yep. interfere with each other and how they conflict. And, and I was able to recognize that sometimes my positivity hurts me because I'm, it's not authentic positivity at times. And then during that season of, you know, I'm on my own, I was able to realize when I was using that positivity to make myself not go into a corner, lock the door and cry. Yeah. So like you're saying, just recognizing ourselves and how we mm -hmm. respond, it's huge. Right. And it can make a big difference, I think. I think it makes a huge difference because what it does is it gives your brain different words to chew on. Mm -hmm. So if you lean on the automatic, it'll go imposter. Yeah. And if you have certain scripts, you know, deep down you need to be hearing and you choose to play that instead, there's no room for imposter voice. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit of like behavioral, here are the things I'm going to drill into my mind because I know my mind chews on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's stepping outside of yourself to coach yourself. And like I said, like all of my education goes back into me tolerating my brain and its quirks, like all the yeah. things that we <laughs> work through, it goes back into right. that so that, that we're able to navigate those things. So like, it's so like, if you heard that reframe where you were like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm here and I'm not the person for this. This is intimidating. I'm the only one running this entire office yeah. here. I'm like, it couldn't have been anyone but Nikki because everybody else would like jump ship and be stressed. Yeah. And so if you were to hear That's how fair. I'm seeing you or, or what you said, you saw me while well, I'm yeah. like commenting yeah. over here. You're right. Um, that's how we can show up for each other in that. So you're playing how I'm seeing you mm -hmm. instead of this mental dialogue. That's always telling you to be small and I'm playing what you're seeing me as. Mm -hmm. I think we'd be so much more freer to be, you know, and I think I'm oversimplifying this because I do want to say if you're really anxious and immersed in toxicity, it's really hard to step outside of yourself and do the thing that you need. Yes. So I do want to name that. Absolutely. This is from a place of health because if you were to talk to me at peak pandemic, yeah, I'd have no wisdom for you. I'd be in survival <laughs> mode. <laughs> All of us were. This, this would not have been a conversation we would have language for. Yeah. Um, it's only in those moments where we're feeling our best. And so that's why it's important to have a coach, have a counselor, have someone who is level mm -hmm. so they can pull you up mm -hmm. because I couldn't even, you know, zip my own life jacket during pandemic time. So we can't depend on just us for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why yeah, we clear. have community. Mm -hmm. That's why we have colleagues. That's why we have other people we can borrow that from and lean on for that. Because yeah. even when I was struggling, I had a lot of hope and support for you. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, for me. Likewise. But they've vice versa right? right like you had so much optimism for me and where I was going mm -hmm. I had that for you that's why people 
like we're independent but we really do need each other Mm -hmm. during all of these times absolutely and that's where uh, the confidence is brewed and gained because imposter syndrome it in me at least it it became a lack of confidence in certain areas of my life but even in conversation with like the one we're having today I feel so much more confident in my own abilities to lead the office just based on what you said in that one sentence. And like the power of knowing that and communicating that, it it's it just, I don't know, I feel like it, it restores the confidence that you can lose because of imposter syndrome. Absolutely. But 100%, when I was at my old teaching job, I was so in it, in the thick of it. I, I wasn't you know, like classified as depressed, but I felt the closest I've ever been in my life. I knew that it was wrong for me. The system was trying to put me in this box. I didn't have a community. I didn't even have friends. I jumped ship. I jumped ship so fast. Right. And it was the best for my health. Even if my current job still has, it regains certain um, elements of how I felt when I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. I have you and I have my students and I have confidence yep. in my abilities to advise study abroad process. Like just like yeah. nowhere near how I was feeling, but it was okay to cut that contract in half and jump yeah. ship at that time because it was so unhealthy for me. So if you are feeling something to that extent, I mean, I don't think that I can tell you to just sit down grin and bear it and like no. and figure out your personality. Oh my gosh. So, yeah like go at that point it's not worth it and there are so many other opportunities that let's explore what else is out there because really staying in toxic spaces and here's the thing about people and leaving jobs either some will see that it's going sour and willingly go Mm -hmm. or you might stay until it hurts too bad Mm -hmm. that's me I don't give up on relationships it's a thing um I would stay so it became so toxic that that squeezed me out you know so there's there's a couple of different ways and to know where what your threshold is that's so important Mm -hmm. but yeah always give yourself permission to go and and because you so were able to do that with your first job Nikki and the fact that you didn't do that this time around like people have hope for this office Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and um just so everyone else knows all over campus Nikki is the name like it, seriously <laughs> I even had to tell you when I heard that because and it was very you important. are the go-to thank you yeah and that was when there were other people to talk to mm-hmm. Nikki was the one they were referring to me like go in there and talk to her oh my gosh now you guys can see why I am friends with <laughs> our conversations are so therapeutic and it would be like hours not hours but a lot of time in the office. a lot of time <laughs> Even venting, complaining, then lifting each other up and then leaving is so therapeutic. So get yourself a good friend, a strong community. And, you know, there's value in that. So thanks for saying that, though, Anne. That means a lot. Absolutely. So, and that's the thing. It's, I was able to stay this long where I'm working is because I don't need the whole campus to be in my corner. Mm -hmm. I need a handful of power players Mm -hmm. and we're in it. Yeah. And, and I think that was a big difference where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not like anyone here. I don't belong and stuff like that. You just need a couple of spirits in your corner. 
and then that can have you be unstoppable in hallways that don't feel yours mm-hmm. um and the power of that is huge and when all of these people know that that's their role in your life we constantly like yeah we'll pop into each other's offices yeah vent the thing yeah lift <laughs> high five walk out back yeah. to work <laughs> it's so true it's so true it's so true it's yeah. funny yeah yeah and there's a couple of safe havens for that that i'm like i don't care about the other square footage on this campus we're good yeah i don't need any of it yeah you identify the people in your corner and then you can you can really talk through a lot of things whereas previously if you were by yourself you would be like in your own in yourself dealing with it lack of confidence imposter syndrome i'm out so yeah something that has you not stay in your own head too long yeah it's to start carrying it with someone else who'd be like, uh, you know, people are saying this about you. Like the students yeah. in the hallway are saying, go see Nikki. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, this big cloud that Nikki's been carrying, we'd like mm-hmm. talked through. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of pops that bubble. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah, no. They do know I'm here for them. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And, and sometimes in knowing that and, and examining your relationship with people who are like that, it, it's so powerful to then go start those relationships with other people who you are, who are maybe newer or younger or someone who you feel like you can really confide in and being like, Hey, right. here's what I see for our friendship. Here's what I hear about you. You're doing great in these areas. And then it just grows, you know, it does. <laughs> on the little community. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I know that you have to go soon. I want to keep going. I know, right? It's hard. Give us Uh, just, like, if you can, just, like, a little summary of, like, how you feel about this conversation, anything you want to leave people with, um, next steps, whatever you feel like you need to say to be able to wrap this up well. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's one this was so wholesome i'm so happy we're talking about it because i feel like on every level we've felt this i Mm -hmm. met with freshmen who are like why is everyone okay with their roommates and i'm new here and sweetie you're all new here you know (laughs) or or people are in their their classes they're like everyone seems to get it and yeah i'm i'm kind of left behind or or as a senior everyone's getting job offers and i'm still lucky we're Mm -hmm. always feeling this imposter syndrome and so Mm -hmm. how do we see it as a speed bump and not as a wall like how do we do that and it's really in leaning with each other and Mm -hmm. when those things happen we're panicked about some some certain things that we're always panicked about. For me, it's my appearance. For me, it's my mm-hmm. height. For me, it's whether or not I belong in this country. I like hopped into a gajillion mm-hmm. years ago. You know, um, all of those things are constantly our insecurities. I think imposter syndrome is just like a huge list of things we're insecure Absolutely. about that just play on loop. And so, to get at those, to is to remind yourself all the things that you are. Wow. Really list those out. Spend some time with that. If you have a hard time with that, call up three BFFs, your mom, auntie, mm-hmm. whoever knows you well. Have them list it. Read it. Read their word for it. Mm-hmm. Because I think um, sometimes if I felt a certain way, a student will all of a sudden send me a thank you. And I'm like, oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 
or or uh, a friend like Nikki, you're like complimenting me and telling me, you know, how helpful it is for us to process. I'm like, that's right. There we go. Yeah, yeah. If you cling on to that when your lean is towards imposter, yeah, you're you're making those small adjustments that one day it's no longer a training wheel you needed. That you bring all the things you know you are, mm-hmm. and you're not sorry. We're unapologetic about all the things we're not. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the note I think I want to end it on. Like, we don't have to be victims of this. Yeah. We can be agents in its combat of it. Wow. Yeah. I really don't think I can wrap it up any better than that. That was so good. Thanks. I I tried. <laughs> this, yeah. So if there is anything, as you can see, we we can... We get passionate about a lot of this stuff and Anne is yes. like a, an expert at all things like, oh my gosh, Enneagram and like personalities and how it applies, like finding your career, all of this stuff. And so we're very open to having conversations about whatever needs to be talked about. Like we, like she said, imposter syndrome isn't something that we are um, actively talking about, but yeah. it could be and it can and it should. So if there are other things to that extent where you feel like, I would really like to hear your your take on this or Anne's take on this. Let us know, um, either Absolutely. personally if you know us personally, or leave a, a comment or review or something. But let us know, and then we'll make sure to um, dedicate an episode to that. Absolutely, everything is fair game. Honestly, yep. Nikki and I can like chit chat about mm-hmm. anything except for the weather. So yeah. <laughs> we could probably do that too, but. Uh, <laughs> and we'll definitely be back. So um, yes. I just want to say thank you so much for for being so excited to pop on. Like yeah. I told everybody about the podcast, and she was like first in the DMs, like "Oh my gosh, this is exciting!" And I was like, "Thank you for reaching out because I've been wanting to get you on." So thank you so much. I value your opinion and your perspective, oh. and I'm sure I'll talk to you very soon. But for everyone who's listening. Thank you, and we'll see you later. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. More later. More later. More soon.